Hey, what's going on, my friends? It's Regan. Almost 8 p.m. on the 19th. The 19th of November 2020. There's a guy walking his cute little dog. Oh, shit. There's the uh, wheelie bike boys. And more of them. They're cruising, man. I am glad to see kids out on bikes. Yeah, I want everybody to be safe as well. I want everybody to uh, to survive this pandemic, and I want us to rise above as a society, and all good things to happen, and you know all that happy horse shit. I want all that stuff to happen. But I also want to see kids right now. So it obviously brings joy to my heart as a as a former BMXer, BMX bandit, cruising around the friggin' neighborhood, pulling wheelies and doing ant hills. An ant hill is where, if you're unfamiliar, that is where you um, pull a wheelie while you're riding forward. You pull a wheelie and then you kick up uh, the rear wheel. As well, so first up with the front wheel, and then the, the back wheel follows it. So let's say you're going to get up onto a curb, you would do, do an ant hill. So you pop up the front and then kick up the back. And I know some people who could do ant hills crazy high. You know, they could do an ant hill up onto a, a damn um, picnic table or something like that amazing you might have seen some of these uh, BMXers or freestyle bicyclists amazing ability and you wonder I guess one of the things I, I would wonder about these individuals is that there's got to be a relative fearlessness when you're doing something like uh, BMXing or freestyle bicycling or uh, skateboarding on a ramp I mean have you ever done that holy stinking moly I don't know how, knock on wood, I have not broken a bone other than my little, my distal phalanx of my left middle finger. Um, I told the story previously where I got that caught in a tank hatch. Big steel door came over and just crimped it real quick. Lucky I didn't lose my freaking finger. I have a friend who lost the tip of his pinky, I guess, uh, in a cooler, he was. Uh, they were in some rough seas out on a boat. He was fishing or whatever, and cooler went to take off, and something with the lid came up and was going back down, and just caught his pinky and fucking busted it, broke it right off. God, the pain, the pain that must have been. So, uh, don't do that. Anyway, talking about the BMX bandits, talking about the wheelie bike boys, no helmets, big, uh, big tires. Forget how tall they are, but these these bikes. My buddy informed me there's a, one of the bikes is called a PK Ripper. Um, it's called a Big Ripper because PK Ripper was a BMX bike back in the day, and the Big Ripper is like the survival of that brand, I guess, and the introduction of it for urban riding. So there's something about these bicycles that the crank 
or the sprocket rather, that uh, slang term for the crank, for the um, sprocket, I believe is the crank, or the me pedal mechanism anyway, that sprocket in the middle is big. Um, actually, it allows you to do more work, but to ride wheelies and do stunts and stuff like that. Or maybe it's small, so they're not particularly fast bikes. There might be a, a couple gears. That's what it's like a 10-speed or whatever, or 21-speed mountain bike. They've got all those different sprockets and the combinations of the front sprocket and the rear, rear sprockets and the interchangeability of all those gears. You can go up a hill by changing the sprocket size, and you can, let's say you get up, you're a flat, uh, you get up to speed really quick and generate tremendous power. Um, anyway, who thought that I was going to go in that direction with this podcast, huh? Any of you cyclists will at least understand what I'm talking about. Bikes are cool, you know? So back in the day, we used to do that. We used to ride BMX around Pine Barrens. There was a place called, uh, we call it Devil's Ditch, and it was right across the street from the local 7-Eleven. And kids would meet there, and they'd fight each other. And bullies would hang out there and smoke cigarettes and weed. And people would go party in Devil's Ditch. And BMXers would go, and they uh, there wasn't a whole lot of elevation in the Pine Barrens, like mountains or anything, but there was uh, a big pit in the middle of Devil's Ditch. And from up high, you could see, you could start from these plateaus and cruise down, and different cycle gangs had built um, jumps, and so you'd uh, and berms and stuff. So they created these tracks that you could go. Devil's Ditch was an awesome spot with uh, for BMXing. So maybe you go over to. 7-Eleven, get yourself a big gulp or a ring pop or a big league chew or whatever the hell you wanted to get and then you would hang out at Devil's Ditch until the big kids came, in which case you'd pedal out of there or get beaten up. So uh, that was like the world I grew up in. And I saw those wheelie bike boys and so that's why I need to mention them. Let's see. So talking about young people, of course there's a buzz right now about What's going to happen? You know, what's going on? This is the the flow of conversations at the office. Are you okay? How you doing? Are you well? Um, you know, uh, this is what's happened in my job. This is what's happened with my kids. What are your kids doing? Are they are they face to face learning or are they virtual? And telling them that my kids have been virtual since the start, but we have been tempted to send them back and hopeful and all that. But now we are a bit reticent to do that, to send them back for fear that uh, they could get sick or exposed. And This has been one of those weeks, you know, last couple weeks where these numbers have been rising and the election's over. Wow, my friend Lisa wants to come in probably tomorrow. Um, hope she's okay. So, uh, I'm happy to help, of course. It's going to be a busy day tomorrow. But, um, so what happens is that, uh, you know, everybody's got these patterns 
of discussion and what's going on in our society and how we're dealing with these rising cases. Oh, I know what I'm saying. So you got the election and all the stress and discussion that I had uh, devoted to that, and that was a stressful time, right? And then the numbers climb and people are getting sick or at least getting exposed and how do we operate? How do we send our kids to school? How do we operate our businesses, go to work? What if we get shut down again? I mean, it's a scary freaking time right now. It really is. And yet it is incredible how we've adapted in a way to all of this. I mean, really, when you consider all the moving parts and all the stressors that are out there conspiring to give us anxiety attacks, somehow we sleep through the night and we wake up to face the day and we go after it and do our best and commiserate with people and hopefully we can we can move on to better times so today I talked a lot about those things I talked about the kids and what you know what what we're going to do and and the strategies that we're going to have to employ to get out of this Uh, one thing I, I have been discussing and I posted online on Facebook is the um the podcasts you know Joe Rogan I love the guy I think he really is a tremendous podcast uh he has a great one it's the best around I guess right now um probably the most popular podcast in the world just all purpose you know great guests great conversations all kinds of disparate views and Joe's a pretty reasonable guy you know He's got a, got a, you know, I don't know how he maintains a sensible ego, but he, he's a pretty grounded guy, pretty normal human being, or not normal, but he um, doesn't seem to have let all this get to his head. I'm sure on some level he's like, feels like a dynamo, feels like a juggernaut. But uh, I'm saying it's a fair podcast and it's entertaining, and it's sensible. Um, I had a put Joe on the back burner for a month or so for all but his you know most interesting podcast to me because there was a lot of discussion about the election and politics and it's just what everybody wanted to talk about you know when I think about my discussion of of all that and it's still going on obviously Trump denying that he lost and trying to take it all to court I can't watch it anymore like I want that to be over um, I would hate if Trump, I'm going to make this brief about the election, but I would hate if Trump somehow overturned this thing. But I, in 2020, I would, um, I wouldn't be surprised at anything, you know, that happened at this point. So, I just hope that that doesn't occur not overturned but if it did my point is if it did if it was somehow overturned and Trump uh, uh, won a second term I would be pissed but I'd get over it 
pretty quickly, just because I'm so fucking ready to be done with uh, elections and politics, and I'm just disgusted like everyone else by it. So hopefully that's put to rest and Biden gets the presidency and can help us dig out of this mess, because that's what we really need. We need somebody to be constructive and not destructive. Back to my topic, okay, is, uh, you know, we've got a very short attention span as human beings and as Americans in particular. Everything is kind of, we, we've got a real fucking good. It wasn't always the case, right? Talked about that pod, that uh, documentary I was watching, America, We the People. Man, we had it fucking really bad here. Uh, we've had depressions, we've had wars, we've had uh, disease, we've had poverty. We still have a lot of those things, but life is better, far and away better than it's ever been. Technology, I mean, we've basically had it good for a, a very long time now. So, you look at history, it's littered with ups and downs. You know, the graph rises and it falls. It never goes up forever stock market, the good times, the bad times, nothing lasts forever. And that's why, you know, I listen to my Alan Watts stuff and consider it, he's always talking about the yin and the yang and, you know, there are fronts and backs and yin and yangs and white and black and good and bad and sunshine and rain. You know, it's, there's a balance to everything in life, but nothing stays the same. So change is the only constant, but we are used to things, the graph climbing, steadily for the last several hundred years. I mean, our country is 240-something years old, 245, rounded off 250 years. That's how long we've been a nation. And we're new, and we're still shiny and new, and we've, we've got all these successes, and now I've been, my memory has been refreshed on, on, on really what America is and where it came from. If you know where it came from, you can kind of predict where it's going. Reality is, if you look at the timeline, good things happen, bad things happen. You know, so it sucks that we're in this particular time, but we've been spoiled, fucking rotten for a very long time with all of our creature comforts and technology and science and wars won and uh, foes vanquished and sitting on top of a pile of money on our worst day. Some people aren't, you know. And we still have not figured out, even with all that we have, even with all of our our bevy of resources, we still have not figured out how to create a, a world that is perfect. There is no such thing as a utopia. You know, I talked with somebody this evening, last patient of the night, she uh, does things, something called senior helpers. So she helps um, seniors, and she drives them here and there, and runs errands for them, and cares for people, and there's a huge senior population, right? Our baby boomers. And as they get old, and they get uh, sick, and lose their mobility, they need assistance. And she was talking about how, um, my friend was talking about how they're, uh, they'll shit can somebody if there's not this type of benefits, they don't have uh, a certain type of benefit, they'll kick them to the curb because it's not profitable. So they won't waste their resources because they're not going to get reimbursed. They're not going to get the payday that they would 
from another insurance. I hate to hear that stuff. I hate to hear the reality that there are people that still don't get fair and equitable care. You know, care that they paid into, care that they, I believe, deserve. That's why I believe that health care and education should be subsidized, significantly subsidized, if not completely squared away, paid for by our government, because we have a responsibility. It, it, or, it's not that we have a responsibility. If you could do something, if you, if you could read the plays and guarantee something, some benefits for a thriving society, if you take care of people, their health care, their public health, and we really prize that, we really respect it, and educate people on what it means to be healthy and how to, how to live long and die fast, how to maintain our longevity, how to stay in shape, body and mind. Um, and if you educate people, then they won't be freaking dumbasses. They'll be able to make decisions and they'll be able to have greater quality of life and require less resources to fix all the, the problems that arise when people don't have optimal health aren't given the opportunity to maintain their health optimally, aren't encouraged, aren't incentivized, and they're not adequately educated, you know, they're, fuck it, they're just going to drive on. They're going to live however and, you know, do whatever they can do to, you know, live a productive life and extract some degree of happiness and... Sometimes it's not pretty. That's just the way it is. I think that there's always going to be... I guess America is proof, though, that... Really, if you think about it, we are the richest nation that there's ever been. And very successful in a lot of ways. And so, thinking about that graph again, you know, when you climb so high for a very long time, it's a long way down. And it's ugly on the way down. Nobody wants to backslide. Nobody wants to take losses, right? That's another thing. As I've mentioned citing my son's football and stuff, how nobody wants to lose. And, I mean, I don't want to lose. You know, I want to win. I want to have consistent results and, and progress and, and um, plenty. But it's not realistic to expect the graph to climb upward perpetually. It's not possible. Arguably, it's not healthy. So, you think of that in terms of so many things. You know, consumer, you know, our consumer confidence, I've mentioned before, the reality that the consumer confidence is what boosts the stock market. So, um, that people are, um, willing to spend. They feel comfortable enough with the economy that they're willing to go out there to get on Amazon and buy their products and buy their services and go out and spend money. And when they do that, the economy thrives and businesses grow and um, it's good times. But you know, shit doesn't last forever. You know, It just can't go exponentially up. And when it does, what happens 
you know, we do things, we, we abuse things, we um, pollute the world, we, we get fat and greedy and complacent. And then something like this happens, something unexpected. I mean, that nobody fucking, except the scientists who actually study the stuff, they're like, hey, you know, this is going to happen, it's probably due, and then it does, and all the folks who just, they're making too much money, they're having too much fun, too much success, and to stop, we could not stop the giant locomotive um, with a friggin' major head of steam, we could not stop that, we wouldn't stop it for anything. And so people wouldn't mask up, people wouldn't socially distance, businesses wouldn't close for the good of everyone. And, and that's just, you know, this is what we're feeling right now, I believe. This is why um, we're in this predicament, because we just will not, you know, we, we, can't, we can't see that far ahead. We're just thinking about next week. I'm like that too. I mean, I... Give me a week, the next couple of weeks, I can manage my schedule for that. I can foresee that. Uh, but at some point, I'm like, uh, just let me know. I tell my wife, just let me know when it, when we're going to do that. Like, what's on our schedule? What's on the calendar? I just show up. To, I, I roll out of the rack. I, you know, handle my business about two weeks, maybe a month out. And maintain a schedule and look at my office schedule, look at the calendar for teaching, and that's my roadmap. That's what I do. Beyond that, I don't know. And so, um, you really think about it, that's that's what we're after. I mean, holidays maybe, weekends, as we've discussed. People live for the weekends and they live for these holidays, and they're reluctant to give them up. So now we're on the cusp of Thanksgiving, and that's one of the uh, talking points, is uh, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? And most people are saying, ah, we're throttling back, and they're not going to get together. And some folks are saying, yeah, we're going to get together. We've been getting together all along, and we're going to do it. You know, my father, my, my such and such doesn't think that, isn't sure that they're going to be, um, they not know how many more Thanksgivings they have, so they're going to see their family you know, you got a good point. I just, you know, uh, there for every successful family gathering, there's going to be something. There's going to be people that spread this thing around at a time when the numbers are, are rising. And there are people, the matriarchs and patriarchs, you know, that are, they are the most fertile ground for this disease. And so they are right for, uh, hunkering down and refraining from large gatherings I would recommend that you check out the uh, the Rogan podcast with uh, Nick Nicholas Christakos it is one of the most um, sensible clear uh, measured discussions that I have heretofore um, listened to entertained where we're discussing the pandemic and I know that nobody wants to, well everybody wants to, but nobody wants to, you know, look to another 
source of information about the pandemic or masks or all the same old stuff. We're so tired of this. We're so over it. We got COVID fatigue. We're just tired of it. We're almost, some people would honestly rather die, rather succumb to this thing than have to um, put on a mask or, you know, use another Uh, squirt on another freaking uh, glob of hand sanitizer or talk about all this shit. What's working? What's not? Vaccines? Are you going to take it? People are tired. I'm tired of talking about it. I want it to be non-existent. I want it to be over. And I am moving on. I am driving through it. I am operating my business and successfully and um, I think carefully and I've, I've made a bunch of changes that I think are going to benefit my, um, my patients and allow me to care for them through this thing while being very safe. Um, and that's extremely important to me. I mean, the people that I care for, it's everything. My family and the people that I, my wider extended family, which are all the people that confide in me for their health and well-being, um, they, they mean everything to me, so making some sacrifices to slow things down a little bit and keep everyone safe and allow them to still scribe to care, so if you're a patient listening to this, just know that we're doing all the right things, and you can can feel confident coming in. It's going to be you and me at our front desk and locking the door behind us. So, but you really think about it in the, in the framework of time, in the context of human and American history. Um, and I, I'm recounting that documentary and thinking, holy shit, look at all this great stuff that, that we've done. Oh my God, Eli Whitney invented the cotton gin. Oh my goodness, we are cash crops of tobacco. Oh my goodness, you know, the, the, the horse, the locomotive, the Model T, chemistry, uh, steel, Andrew Carnegie and steel. Uh, overcoming villains throughout history and winning World War II for the Allies and sacrifices made by Americans and staring challenge in the eyes and rising to the occasion and overcoming and how wonderful. But there were challenges and there are challenges. And now the challenge is more than, you know, what product are we going to buy or how much money do we have in the bank? Now, lives are at stake. And you're watching people, the chaos that ensues when, uh, when you've got an invisible enemy that people don't know how to fight. And so they fight each other. Uh, as I was mentioning today, it's uh, with a, talking to a patient about it. If this was some physical form, if this was like an Adolf Hitler coronavirus, if we could see it, if we could put it in our sights, uh, if we could drop a bomb on it, we would. But that's not the way this works. I mean, this is a, something else that exists on the surface of this earth. This is um, this is a almost an immortal enemy 
this coronavirus, viruses, some people don't even consider them to be living entities. They're minuscule. If you were to filter bacteria, all the bacteria, if you took like a big, um, like a pool skimmer, and you could filter bacteria with it, and they would be like leaves on the pool skimmer, the viruses would just drop right through. They would escape the skimmer. And so they're tiny little alien life forms, or maybe we're the alien life form, and they're all over the fucking place. And they just basically find you, jump in your respiratory tract, and land on your cells, and they inject their DNA, or their RNA, ribonucleic acid, their genetic material, into your cells, and then make little manufacturing plants out of your cells, manufacturing more viruses, and it spreads, and that's how the thing perpetuates itself. And so we have tools against this. Um, The vaccine is going to be part of it, but part of our complacency as human beings is that a lot of the things that occurred, you know, that it's never going to occur to us again. There's never going to be a uh, another smallpox scare. There's never going to be a bubonic plague. That was something that happened in Shakespeare's time. You know, this couldn't happen again. And some of those things uh, killed uh, and maimed millions of people. And parts of the world are still decimated by things like malaria and HIV and Ebola and you name it. So in order to beat back those things, our public health health efforts have uh, enabled us to do that, enabled us to uh, clean the world up and uh, get public sewers and clean water and regulated food and livestock and so on and so forth. You know, we've organized a lot of things, measures in place to to uh, to prevent disease from striking and outbreaks and stuff. But still, it happens. It's inevitable. And our public health you know, history is one of um, inventing things like antibiotics and uh, the vaccines. You know, which were very helpful, helped a lot of people, saved a lot of lives. And so, this podcast with Christakos and Joe Rogan, he talks about vaccines. He talks about, you know, some of the, that, and it's a great thing we have a couple, and we'll have more of these vaccines and how they work and what we know about them and, and what we don't know about them. And one of the things he did say uh, was that we don't have data yet on widespread safety. Now, like most vaccines, if um, if done correctly, the side effects should be minuscule, should be almost non-existent. But in rare cases, or if you're just you know your physiology does not match it, or it's just a you know, it can do something. It could it could cause a problem. So we're not entirely sure. People have been harmed by vaccines, and obviously, there's always going to be a risk versus benefit with any sort of procedure or medicine we take. But the question is, you know, 
how are we going to rise above this pandemic? He's saying that about 12% of the population of our country or the world, I'm not sure, I think our country, 12% of, uh, let's say, our America has uh, been exposed to the coronavirus, has, um, our immune systems have encountered it, have encountered it. 50% or more need to be exposed to it one way or the other in order to rise above this and render the render the um, the virus like uh, ineffective kind of like putting up wanted posters inside your body and if you see Black Bart the coronavirus uh, bring him in so you put a bounty out for this thing and then you enlist all kinds of uh, resources in the immune system. Think like a Pac-Man or Ms. Pac-Man and, or your favorite video game, Sonic the Hedgehog or whatever. We'll go around and kill the bad guys and round them up and everything will be okay. So that is what we want to do. We want to familiarize. We want to get the word out about the coronavirus. We want to stick wanted posters on every telephone pole and um, cactus throughout the desert, you know, whatever, throughout the land, and bring this villain to justice. Maybe I ought to go into uh, cowboy Luke mode, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying, partners? Cowboy Luke sent out a wanted poster for Andy June, the coronavirus, you know what I'm saying? Um, cowboy and, and my sidekick Eek but that's basically what we're trying to do we're trying to get the word out and familiar, familiarize our deputies with this villain and bring it to justice and that's going to take time and it's going to take efforts and teamwork and coordination so we can send out the posse and bring this villain in. And then it can't hurt us anymore when it's behind bars or it's rendered ineffective. Take its pistols away, you understand what I'm saying, partners? I think it's a good analogy. Anyway, check out that friggin' uh, that, that podcast I told you about. That's a... Uh, Joe Rogan and Nicholas Christakos. You can find it on YouTube and listen in. Listen good. Because one thing's for sure, partners, we need to be agreeing in agreeance. If we want to have, if we want to bring these villains to justice, we're going to have to round up that posse. And we got to work together as a team. Otherwise, it's going to get away. You understand that? All right. Everybody have a good night. <laughs>